High Noon with George Hook. Thanks to ClaytonHotels.com with 17 hotels across Ireland and the UK. What do we do with the essential song? Well, today you grant your wish. You know, when the gods want to punish you, they grant you your wishes. So let's see how the gods play this out today. Because this is my wish. This is your wish. You have been banging on about this for ages. And to be fair, I agree with you. I agree with you that Glenn Miller is a great genius and that it was an awful shame he was taken from us so So abruptly. Yeah. Yeah. But we are going to cover two of his songs today. Oh, two? Yeah, we're oh, going to do wow. two, two. Right. And um, the the first one being Chattanooga Choo Choo. Right. Um, 1941 song written by Mac Gordon, composed by Harry Warren, originally recorded by Glenn Miller, featured in the 1941 movie Sun Valley Serenade, and it was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Song in 1941. And it got so much success, really, but there was um, there was a row with the American Society of Publishers, uh, yeah. Of, uh, yeah, of composers and publishers that year. And uh, this song was covered by that. So as a result, no radio play. So it became this massive hit in spite of having no radio play. And radio play was the only way you could hear music at that time. So it is kind of a double whammy. Yeah, but in the movie then, yeah. um, because there are actors and so on, It's but but there's a wonderful female singer called Frances Langford, even though she was a, a small-time film star. She was a great singer. She does it in the movie. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Stewart playing Glenn Miller. And then there's a group of in singers. the Glenn Miller story. Yeah, it's the sorry, movie. Yeah, movie. Yeah, the yeah. Glenn Miller uh, story. Yeah. And he, he, he had a group who used to sing yeah. called the Modern Airs. He did. And they would have done, when he was on tour or whatever, they would have done Chattanooga Choo Choo also. Yeah. But he was an inter- 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 intriguing kind of character. Um, born in 1904. Uh, he like when you think of Glenn Miller you think of In the Mood yeah. and you think of Moonlight Serenade and Pennsylvania 65000 and I've Got a Gal in Kalamazoo you know they're the, the, the songs but but he was born in Clarinda Iowa yeah like which back is end of nowhere back end of nowhere the son of Matty Lou and Lewis Elmer Miller and the family moved in 1915 when he was 11 to Grant City, Missouri. And uh, around that time, he was, Glenn Miller, as a kid, was very enterprising and he had started milking cows for the local farmers and he was saving up his money to buy his first trombone. Mm. So aged 11, he bought his first trombone and he played it in the town orchestra. He also played cornet and mandolin but switched to trombone by 1916. That was his big thing. And in 1918, the family moved again. This time they went off to Colorado where he went to high school and he joined the high school football team. And he had quite a lot of success with the football team because they won the Northern Colorado uh, Football Conference and he was named the best left end in Colorado right, as a okay. kid. But he went, and then he went to the University of Colorado. Yeah, and dropped out. Yeah. <laughs> he dropped out quite quickly because he spent all his time, instead of going to lectures, going to auditions. Yeah. And he was forever going to auditions and getting caught. So he dropped out. But he landed a, a job with, in Boyd Center's band in Denver and started to earn a bit of money. And he studied under Joseph Schillinger. 
And Joseph Schillinger was a very famous guy. He had a really famous method of teaching music. Yeah, because and he also Miller taught, wants to be a composer yeah, now, really. Well, yeah. Schiller also, yeah. also taught Benny Goodman and George Gershwin. All right. And yeah. under uh, Schiller, that's when he wrote uh, when Glenn Miller wrote Moonlight Serenade. Which became a signature. Absolute signature. Now, the interesting thing, like, mm. because, like, my old man was a drummer in a dance band. Mm. And he, so I grew up with all the great bands, mm. you know, Dorsey Brothers, Benny Goodman, Glenn Miller and all this. And my old man talked to me about Glenn Miller, right? Then I saw the movie for the first time when, I don't know, I was about 11 or 12. And then I've seen it a hundred times since, including as recently as about two weeks ago on RTE on a Sunday afternoon, right? It's, it's a great movie. It's yeah. A great movie. So, the, 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 there's one thing about, about Miller, of course, is he volunteered in World War II when he was over age, so he yeah. didn't have to go. No, he was 38. He yeah, he volunteered. And he, he went to the Navy and they turned him down. Yeah. And then he went to the Army. But... We're jumping ahead of ourselves oh, because are we? we are. Okay. How would jump- I jump ahead? I know. We're, ju- we're jumping ahead because, like, he played the music that people wanted to hear. And he played with the great musicians of the time, like Eddie Condon, Pee Wee Russell, Gene Krupa, Coleman Hawkins. They were all in bands that he was in. So he was learning from the best. And he got a break in Hollywood in his first movie called The Big Broadcast of 1936, starring Bing Crosby, George Burns, Gracie Allen, Ethel Merriman, Jack Oakey and Bill Bojangles Robinson. And that was his break in Hollywood. And from there, he started, uh, he realised that as a player, he wasn't the best. And he kept losing his solos because they said, well, he's going to play it better than you. And he realised he was going to have to get his act together and become a composer. Well, and they have people listening who, who would know about this kind of stuff. He was with a, band, a fellow called Ben Pollock. And, and what happened with him was a fellow called Jack Teagarden, who was a fantastic trombonist, joins Ben Pollock. And exactly as you say, he starts losing solos. So he's relegated to number two or number three or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he realises composing really and an an arrangement is his only way out. Yeah. So in 1928, as early as 1928, when he was only 24, he published Glenn Miller's 125 jazz breaks for trombone. Mm. And it became a really successful book among musicians who wanted to learn from him. But that was when he was only 24. I mean, we're spooling forward to the Second World War. But at that stage, like when he decided to go in and serve his country, he was earning between 15000 and $20,000 a week. In 1939? Yes. I mean, just, I mean, the guy was a multimillionaire. Multimillionaire. Gives it all up, join the yeah. army. Yeah. But when he had first started getting success, he actually sent for his college sweetheart, Helen. And he asked Helen her to come Berger. and join Helen Berger. And he asked her to come and join him. And they got married. And uh, they subsequently adopted two kids, a boy and a girl. And uh, so they, they were having a great relationship and it is one of the great love stories. But so many funny things happened to Miller. Should, should we listen to a track before we go on about well, it? Well, it depends which track now. Well, Chat I Nuga mean, to start. All right. Because now, cause he divided opinion, you know. A lot of the great band leaders of the time said that they found him too commercial. They didn't. But, but Glenn Miller's answer was, I never wanted a jazz band. 
I'm Big Bad Sound. That's what he, like his, that was his answer. But yeah. people look, used to swear by him. Like Louis Armstrong used to bring Glenn Miller's recordings all transferred onto tape on the road with him so that he could enjoy the music on the road. Mm-hmm. Sinatra said he was brilliant. You know, people did love him, but Artie Shaw didn't like him at all. Uh, but Artie Shaw got married seven times. That gives <laughs> you a reasonable idea what kind of a mind Artie Shaw had. Just, just as we're about if to... If you want to bring <laughs> Artie Shaw in some week, yeah, right? yeah. Begin the begin. Yeah. Don't bring in anything else okay. if you're coming, okay. except Artie Shaw and begin the begin. But now we're going to get a Chattanooga choo with the Glenn Miller Band. Now, it's a very interesting thing. Chattanooga Choo Choo could not be played today mm. because it's racist. Oh, it is. Because he says, pardon me, boy. Yeah. So the boy, of course, is black. Mm-hmm. Give me a shine. He's mm-hmm. a shoe shine boy and he's black. So mm-hmm. they'd be going bananas then and politically correct all learn. Um, Ed is saying, how did Miller die? Well... Uh, nobody knows the plane was lost over the English Channel however however, (laughs) in 2014 the Chicago Tribune stated that the plane was not hit by enemy fire that the carburetor was faulty because on those planes they had poor carburetors poor carburetors that froze 
in bad weather. That's right. And the weather and was, was bad. And yeah, that's, that's what right. it was. And and they're saying it's that it was that kind of thing. But listen, for Chattanooga Choo Choo, the song we've just heard, um, performed by the Miller Orchestra, Gordon Tex Benecke on lead vocal with Paula Kelly and the Modern Airs. And that recording was the first recording to earn a gold disc. Uh, from uh, really? RCA that was the first recording uh, for, for, for its sales but you know just to get a scale of Glenn Miller there were at that time 300,000 jukeboxes across America in diners cafes soda shops and all that sort of stuff and in according to Time magazine in all of those 300,000 there, there were at least uh, of the 24 songs you could fit Two to four of them were Glenn Miller. Away. I mean, he just completely dominated the world of music at that time. The other thing is, such was his music, despite the critics, uh, there was then a Glenn Miller band formed after his death. And there's a Glenn Miller band touring to this very day playing yeah. Miller music. Yeah. Well, Artie Shaw, he, just to go back to him, he said, all I can say is that Glenn Miller should have lived and Chattanooga Choo Choo should have died. That's what Artie Shaw said about I told that. you, begin to begin. Don't begin forget begin. now, okay. Artie Shaw, if you're coming in some okay. week in the future, okay. if you can keep the job. <laughs> well, once he got to the UK and once he got into the army and he started to negotiate, he went in as a captain and he said the sound that they're making needs to be modernised the type of music they're playing needs to be brought into step. It needs to be much more instrument, uh, uh, inspirational and the soldiers should be relating to it. They shouldn't feel that that's the sound of the past. It's the sound of the present. This is the battle they're fighting. So this should be now. Yeah. So he ended up getting permission to have a full time 50 piece orchestra for the Air Force. And he was promoted to major because he was doing so much good work. So while he was in London stationed, he decided he was going to take them into studio and he brought them into Abbey Road. Go away. And recorded so many songs. In fact, the last songs that he recorded and a lot of them were unreleased until 1994 when a vault full were discovered. They'd never been heard by anybody. And the 50 year copyright law kicked in so that they were free to air. Wow. So there's a lot of... Speaking of free to air, all bell songs, including Chattanooga Choo Choo, can be found on Spotify. I like to take the credit for it, so they're found (laughs) under George Hook's Essential Songs, and you can stream them free of charge on Spotify. When I was in Cork RTC, says Peter and Galway, we used to sing to the air of Chattanooga Choo Choo, pardon me, boy, is this the bus to (laughs) Nakahini? Now, um... The next track, we have one more track. Have we? We have one more track. We're going to play American Patrol. Now, American Patrol... Now, there's going to be tears in my eyes. Well, American Patrol, did you know when it was composed? No. 1885. Go away. uh, By Frank White uh, Meacham. And it was then composed for piano, but arranged for wind band in 1891 and arranged for big band in 1941 for Glenn Miller. And so this sound and and Meacham's widow, Cora, she ended up getting all the royalty, which was brilliant. Can I tell you why I'm going to cry? Okay, why? Because the old man would play American Patrol in the band. And he used to say to me, there's a drum break in the middle of this. 
that I find very difficult to do because he was a drummer. And every time I hear American Patrol, and you'll hear the break, and I hope Quilly goes all the way to the drum break. When you hear the break, I crack up. And I'd be, I'm really sorry, but, <laughs> but I really do, because it's the old man. And every time I think it is, Bill, thanks for playing. Quilly, can we have America Patrol before I break up? Totally. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bill. Oh, that was awesome. I can see why you found this difficult, though, yeah, can't that you? Was, that was tough. Yeah. yeah. So, Miller, uh, it, extraordinary because we had, that's the first time we've done an instrumental and not a song. Yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah, but it's so iconic, it was fine. It and deserved so its place. Yeah, 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 so important yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. Now, don't forget Artie Shaw. Begin the begin. I will. Have I you will. made notes of it? I have no, uh, made a note of it. Now, can I just tell you yeah. that th- the plane going down yeah. was one thing, but he'd had a couple of lucky escapes, <laughs> as anybody did in wartime, because when he moved east to London, he started working at the BBC radio office at 25 Sloan Court and a bomb landed three blocks away. So he moved to Bedford to, for safety. And the day after he moved, the bomb directly hit the BBC building and everybody 70 people that he had worked with were killed go away so he that was just a lucky escape literally a a couple of months before he then took off on that ill-fated plane journey now the interesting thing you're talking about the other thing he did in wartime like what was the name of the fella Sousa yeah Sousa Sousa had composed most of the American marches Mm. so I'd go way back to the 19th century and Miller wanted to update them for the young Guys coming into the army. And if you want to see what he tried to do, there's a thing called the St. Louis Blues March. So it's St. Louis Blues, and he's arranged for marching, you know, and it's really good. So uh, that's the great Glenn Miller and uh, the great Bill Hughes. (laughs) Spotify, you can uh, get them all there, including the Andrews sisters. There's some fella called David Bowie and a few others as well. But I skip them when I'm traveling down to Cork. And Black Sabbath. Oh, I always skip them as well. (laughs) 
You liked the Travelling Wilburys last week. Oh, I did. I was <laughs> a big fan of the Travelling Wilburys, I discovered belatedly. Next week, Bill Hughes will be back with more music. It won't be my choice. I only get one every 10 years. High Noon with George Hook. Thanks to ClaytonHotels.com with 17 hotels across Ireland and the UK.